Hey y'all, we're out on travel right now, or rather I'm moving between destinations, so we're unable to get you our regular K-pop cast episodes out, but we wanted to keep the RSS feed going. So this is a recording of a Twitter Spaces chat, so the quality isn't as high, um, as you can imagine, because it's just a mobile recording, um, but this was a really fun discussion that we had a couple weeks back where we asked how to define K-pop with members of the extended K-pop community. So give it a listen and let us know what you think. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the K-pop chat. Um, so uh, K-pop, the Korean Hallyu music revolution that is increasingly taking the world by storm. But what the heck is it? It's more than simply music in Korean, as many songs include English lyrics in, or, in other languages. And it's not just Korean artists or entertainers, as many K-pop artists and groups are strategically sourcing artists and talent and idols from abroad. So does K-pop stop with just the music? Does it not also include the fashion, the choreography, the visuals? Uh, we're, we're here to figure that out. What the heck is K-pop? Um, so we've got a awesome panel of speakers here to talk about uh, defining this challenging question of what is K-pop here today. So I'm going to introduce each of our speakers as they appear in the order on my group and screen here. So Carolina, um, why don't you introduce yourself? Let our listeners, followers know um, who you are. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Carolina. I'm one-fourth of Natural Average Fangirls, a K-pop podcast. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to talk about this topic. <laughs> Yeah, going meta. Okay, and up next we've got Emily, who, by the way, just published a intro to K-pop story today. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for the plug. Hi, everyone. My name is Emily. I'm one half of the New York City K-pop Queens podcast. I'm not sure how much I'm going to share tonight. I'm really interested in listening um, and interested in everybody's takes. This is a hard question, so... Hopefully nobody gets canceled and we can all kind of share our opinions and figure out what this is. I'll do my best to ask very uh, provocative questions to, to not get us canceled anyway. Um, so up, up next, it's uh, not your, or is that Nat from Not Your Average Denizens? Hello, can you hear me? We can hear you. Perfect. Sorry. Um, this place is chanky. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I am Nat. I am one fourth of Not Your Average Netizens, one half of Soju Chronicles. And yeah, I'm. we on the podcast have tried to define K-pop um, many times. <laughs> and it, it's just one of those things that's really hard to pin down. So this will be a very interesting conversation. Great. And up next, it's um, Liz C. Or am I introducing your name and title correctly? Liz, how, how would you like to be introduced? That's fine. Tell us Liz your pronouns, C. all the things. Yeah, this is Liz C. She, her, just a longtime K pop fan, a hag, hag fan, old and long in the game. Um, and I've got lots of thoughts about it. So I thought it'd be fun to jump in. Yeah, let, let's reclaim hag, quote unquote, hag. And, and make it a positive term, not a pejorative term. Like I, I, I am proud to be in the presence of hag, hag stands because they are wise, immature, and insightful. So thank you, Liz C, for for bringing that up and and uh, taking ownership over that term. And last but not least, on our speakers, um, at least our main speakers for this week's K-pop chat, it's the Fan and Out podcast. Yes. Hi, everyone. It's Jazz here. Um, I'm one third of Fan and Out. And kind of on the opposite end of Liz, I just got into K-pop last year. So I'm a bit of a baby fan. Um, so I'm excited to hear everybody's perspectives and everything and, and also be able to contribute my thoughts to the chat, too. Cool. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us for this week's chat and uh, for being flexible and allowing us to push it back just a few minutes uh, for this week. Um, so for those of you in the audience, again, this is a chat to discuss uh, what the heck is K-pop? How do we define it? And um, if you have thoughts on this topic, um, you can tweet along using the hashtag K-pop chat. And I'd love to 
refer to them as we have this conversation. You can comment on something that's being said. Um, you can also ask questions. And uh, by the way, at the end of this session, we'll, we'll call you up um, so you can make um, questions or comments uh, with your lovely voice. So we'll, we'll have a time and a place for that, but uh, you can just tweet along in the meantime. Again, just use the hashtag KpopChat. Okay, so first question on this very difficult topic. Um, I'm going to do my best to get us canceled right off the bat. Um, so is BTS K-pop? No, I'm just kidding. I, I'm going to skip that question for now. Um, uh, so may, maybe a more apt question, is K-pop a genre or is it an industry? I'll go uh, ahead. Uh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> go <laughs> this ahead, is Emily. Emily. Um, I think at this point it's an industry, but I don't think it can be both, right? There, it, It's a genre for sure, but K-pop's an industry. It's a, it's, its own thing within the music industry. Um, I'm not going to elaborate. I'm going to let other people talk. My opinion is it's an industry. I'm going to go ahead and say like Emily I think it can definitely be both um but I think it's as of right now it's an like as we saw it evolved from I feel like it evolved from a genre to an industry I think that right now we're seeing that k-pop is like obviously very being very like welcomed quote-unquote uh in the western side so more people are getting into it and that means that companies are looking at that as money signs. So it became an industry. But it's also a genre. I feel like in K-pop, you have specific things that are part of K-pop. And I think, I don't know if you want to call it more like a subculture type of thing. But um, I think that it it can be both. It's, I don't know, it's both. But as of right now, we're seeing it more as an industry than anything else. And I think also, this is Jazz, by the way, um, I think also it depends on where you're looking. Because if you're on a lot of Western music platforms like Spotify or um, Apple Music, like they treat kind of like all music coming from Korea as K-pop. And I saw someone mention earlier this week on my timeline that like their pop playlists and their pop wind downs never include K-pop artists. You know, it's always specific. So I think... From that aspect, I guess it could be a genre. Um, and we talk about the K-pop sound a lot. And I think there is a sound and there is a formula that a lot of K-pop groups follow. But also they draw, or artists follow, not just groups. Um, but they draw from so many different genres and sounds that I think it's it's definitely... I don't want to ramble, so I'll stop talking. Um, but it's definitely an interesting question. Yeah, I think everybody has um, definitely been in the middle of those two, the genre versus the industry. I think that um, in terms of K-pop as it is now, it is definitely an industry, but it def I think it still has retained most of what made it a genre to begin with in terms of training and things like the 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 cultural aspects of it the koreanness of it is still there so i think that's what keeps it sort of routed in the genre and that's why apple music will be like k-pop 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 not pop you know um but in terms of the industry aspect we are seeing on apple music i have apple music but we are definitely seeing that they are starting to to sort of separate k-r&b k-hip-hop and k-pop um so I think that's going to sort of play into the whole genre versus industry conversation as well as we continue. So this is Liz, and I. this kind of plays into my whole big thesis, which I think it's a performance genre, not necessarily a music genre. And like the big, like the way I really think about it is a lot like broad, like musical theater is not a genre of music. It's not necessarily, you know, it is a and it's also an industry and so to me it i think it can be both like a performance genre and an industry yeah i, I mean this is really profound stuff um i 
feel like we can maybe head down several different rabbit holes from here. Uh, you know, earlier in, in response to uh, Carolina's comment um, on this being a money-driven enterprise, I was going to say, well, isn't every genre of music such that? I'm like, wait, no. I guess a lot of it, you know, a lot of genres of music can be artistic expression in it of themselves, and they don't have to be lucrative or profitable. But it, it seems like, uh, to Nat, Nat, your Nesson's point, um, Apple and other uh, business-making machines are looking to capitalize on the buzzword of quote-unquote K-pop. Um, so maybe that, that's one in favor of uh, industry over genre. Um, but okay, okay. L- l- let me ask another question for, for y'all. Um, what are the must-have, like quote-unquote must-have mission-critical elements in defining K-pop? So like what ingredient or set of ingredients do you think that if they were removed would no longer make it k-pop the trainee period and the whole training system is to me very unique in and routed in k-pop also the whole idea of someone whole entire position being the youngest in a group the maknae the visual the dancer i mean like i've seen people try to apply these roles quote unquote to like destiny's child um the saturdays things like that and it is sort of weird right so i think that you can't have k-pop like i think those are definitely very much k-pop things um but yeah those two for me are definitely like 100 percent what makes k-pop k-pop there are a lot of other things but i'm sure everybody's going to add to that so i'm gonna stop talking um Go on. For me, this is Carolina. Um, I think also besides that, that that's what I was gonna say. Like the trainee period and like how they basically like prepare for a role in K-pop, like just being idols. But also concept wise, I do not see like other like you know Western artists or anything like that make like a concept every time they have a comeback like make a storyline and um i think that that plays a big part into why people get involved in k-pop because it's a whole masterpiece like the album is with that concept the music video the this or that like everything is connected and i think that that attracts a lot of people and i think that's definitely one thing that like differentiates uh k-pop from any regular like you know, pop song or pop music type of thing. Hey, this is Jazz. I have a question, um, follow-up question to those responses. So do you guys think that that applies to like soloists as well? Um, Or if we're including like K-hip-hop groups and stuff like that, do you guys think that that applies to them as well? Or are you specifically thinking in terms of like idol groups? Hey, this is Emily. Um, I... I wouldn't say it applies to K hip hop and R and B acts necessarily, but the K like the K pop solo acts, it does apply to. King Daniel has a storyline. I think there's a line there. Um, so it doesn't apply to all Korean music and hip hop acts, but I think K pop, the concept and the storyline are so strong. I completely agree with Carolina. I also think something that's specifically K pop is the visuals, the way the idols look the money behind the concept, the pictures, the concept photos, the music videos, the comeback performances. These are all very specific things that aren't found in Western music. Uh, The Weeknd is a huge fan of K-pop and his last album had a storyline. His music videos told a storyline. So people are adopting kind of the concept thing. I think we're gonna see more of that, but that's specifically K-pop to me and it always will be. And this is Liz, and I'll just add, I mean, to me, dancing is a huge part of it. And I feel like this sort of this, even though the K-pop choreography is borrowing from everything, just the way the music is, I think there are certain aspects of it, particularly with groups like the formations, getting certain people to be the point in the center, and just how truly synchronized everything is. Like that, to me, is a huge part of K-pop. And like Carol, uh, like Emily said with the visuals, like if you're if you're not watching it, you're missing out on most of it. Yeah, 
Yeah, very much agree with everyone, what everyone's saying. I just want to interject really briefly here. Um, hey, if you're in the audience and you have thoughts on what's being said, you can tweet them along. Just use the hashtag K-pop chat. If you scroll up to the top of this room, you can actually see that we're painting a lot of these um, comments from what everyone's saying along. And let me read off a few, and I'll, I'll turn it back over to our, our panelist speakers here. So letter number seven, Twitter user letter number seven, numeric seven tweets, it's an industry, a subculture, and a genre. Multiple, but with Western platforms show, it's slow to separate. But, excuse me, multiple, but with Western platforms, it's slow to separate. Um, Taylor or Tiffany Yeri tweets, I feel domestically K-pop is more seen as an industry and overseas, specifically Western audiences, see it more as a genre. And let's see, letter number seven also tweets, I disagree slightly about the training system and positions being to just tuned to K-pop. However, I agree that concepts, more so uh, how they are executed, is fine tuned to K-pop. And let's see, uh, Twitter user YVs ES. <laughs> Sorry for picturing all of your guys' names and Twitter handles. Anyway, Y tweets. Rihanna does concepts. So just pointing out that um, concepts isn't uniquely uh, a K-pop thing. Um, anyway, so I'll, I'll hand it over back over to the panelists if you guys had thoughts on any of those comments. Can I be a little controversial here? Um, Always. <laughs> with the concepts up, like, not only Rihanna and Beyonce and, you know, a lot of artists do concepts, obviously, and have for a really long time. But I would argue that the whole, like, the whole MTV subculture, in a lot of ways, motivated and inspired, you know, Lee Suman and k-pop and they just maintained it while people in the west no longer do the big budget story driven music videos that we are known like that we you know hags quote unquote <laughs> grew up with because i mean thriller concept story you know i feel like everything from bad every single music video actually had like a story and a concept uh you know what's his name will smith wild wild west the music video Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson scream, you know, like concepts. I feel like, yeah, there was a a period in the West where that sort of wasn't wasn't as important because music videos were, I guess, not seen as important as, as much anymore. And that is sort of where K-pop kind of picked up because music videos are very, very, very important to K-pop. That's where we get the aesthetics. That's where we get the concepts. That's where we get everything. Uh, so. I, I kind of, I do agree with the um, person who mentioned Rihanna because, I mean, we had a whole visual album from Beyonce with Lemonade. Uh, so definitely there are artists who have continuously given us concept baits, you know, comebacks or material in their music videos, in their performances. Um, so, yeah, and that was Nat. Hey, Nat, and if I could maybe just bring up a tweet from one of our uh, other members in the audience here. So Taman's Shoes, they tweet Nikki, Beyonce, and new girl groups like... I'm not going to try to pronounce that. I, I don't... Sorry. Chloe, Chloe X. Halley. And there we go. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm <laughs> Chloe and Halley. Yeah. Chloe and Halley. And Doja Cat, uh, too, do concepts, in my opinion. And they also keep up has their hand chat. But, I mean, may maybe Tame and Shoes is kind of implying, I mean, do, do these artists also have stories? Like, I I'm thinking, like, really? I think like that's the difference. Like, if you're talking about a concept, like, a concept for a music video, a concept for an album, it's different with the storylines they tell. BTS told a storyline for years through multiple albums, music videos. I think we're talking about the way the concepts are executed. We're not saying Western artists don't do concepts, but there's a difference in the execution and the way that it's presented to the public. Going off of what Emily says, that's that's what uh that's what I was meaning to like, uh, in the way that they do like the concept pictures and they like sl the slow rollout that they create in order to execute these concepts. Like yes, Western artists and artists all over the world really 
create a storyline with their music video and the song and yes that's correct but it's the way that in k-pop it's executed like they they do a build-up the way that they release little bit things here and there in order and then boom the release date i feel like that's different i don't see obviously if somebody drops an album it's just like hey my album comes out may whatever and then okay cool like it comes out may whatever but in k-pop it's just like it just drops randomly, like, boom, here's the schedule. Like, this is what's going to happen. So I think that that is very unique to how K-pop, like, works. Yeah. Okay. The really insightful comments from everyone. And thank you um, again. And uh, audience members for exhibiting um, uh, the just the type of behavior we want to see. So, you know, critical thinking, comments, and, and questions using the K-pop chat hashtag. So uh, keep them coming and we'll also have room to bring you up here at the end. Um, so next next question here, just moving us along. Um, how do Koreans define K-pop? Uh, where do they draw the line between idol pop and just other popular music? Um, and uh, in that Korean definition of idol pop or, or K-pop, um, how compatible is that definition or perception with the Western interpretation of the word? So this is Liz. Obviously, I'm not Korean, so I'm not going to speak to how Koreans define it. But it, I think I kind of wonder, like, I have my, like, short and hard definition of what's K-pop. And I wonder if that might be true for Koreans is to me. K-pop is anything that gets performed on the weekly music shows and the end of year gaios. And if it does that, it's K-pop. And sometimes, sometimes there are groups that are not K-pop groups that are doing K-pop performances on those shows. And sometimes they're kind of falling into that area. But to me, that's how I would define it. And I kind of, I do kind of wonder if to the average Korean, like what shows up on M Countdown is like, that's K-pop. So going off of Liz, um, also, like, obviously, I'm not Korean, so I can't speak on behalf of them. But um, one, I have a friend that um, was dating a, a Korean. And basically, he said that um, it's basically that he was like, we don't really listen to that um, unless it's like on the radio. But K-pop is pretty much like what gets performed at like music shows and end of shows um, type of thing. That's how they, at least him, that's how he saw it. He was like, anything that I see that's kind of like they went and were trainees and were in a company and now they're like, you know, in a group that performs in shows and, and fights for like their number one and things like that. That's how he saw k-pop and he was just like you know most of the public really doesn't listen to this unless you're a, like a, a fan person um but that's how he defined it too so yeah i you know once again not korean i don't really know what they would define i think that liz and carolina had they covered it perfectly um in terms of like the versus the west I feel like the West has a very open <laughs> definition of K-pop. Like anybody who speaks Korean or sings in Korean or raps in Korean sometimes does get labeled as K-pop by, you know, just like, I guess, quote unquote, locals. Like I had my sister literally say like, oh, there's this really cool K-pop rapper, but he raps in Chinese. And then, like, only to discover it was Jay Park that she was referring to. So I feel like people here, they don't, if, if they don't really understand the whole machine of K-pop, they would definitely define anybody who is Korean, who makes music as K-pop. Whereas in Korea, they definitely are, like, I mean, obviously they live there and they have different genres of music that they love and they, the general public prefers. Um, so they would probably, um, as Carolina and Liz have said, like go with what's on the music shows, what's at the end of the award shows. Um, you know, maybe they even pay attention to what companies they come from. Um, and if they're groups or solos, things like that, they would probably take that more into account when they're defining what is K-pop from what is, you know, trot 
or ballot or whatever. Yeah, you know, I wonder, um, Liz and Carolina, I mean, earlier you guys were discussing this uh, distinction on, um, was it the gun charts? And I wonder, like, what hard rules that they set in place for that. I don't, I don't know if any of you, anyone here knows. Um, I actually want to read out a definition of uh, Korean Idol from Wikipedia. <laughs> Sorry, not a reliable source. <laughs> but... Um, Wikipedia actually has a, a few different uh, citations for, for this definition. Um, so emphasis on idol here, but um, according to this Wikipedia entry, uh, K-pop idols are characterized by the highly manufactured star system that they are produced by and debuted under, as well as their tendency to represent a hybridized convergence of visuals, music, fashion, and dance. They usually work for a mainstream entertainment agency and have undergone extensive training in dance, vocals, and foreign language. Idols maintain a carefully curated public image and social media presence and dedicate significant time and resources to building relationships with fans through concepts and, meet and meetups. So I, I think what I like about the end of that entry is the parasocial relationship aspect. But, um, you know, in my humble opinion, and, and maybe what, this article is uh, the century is also getting at um, is, is that the idol, the manufactured idol, is uh, a mission critical, essential part um, of, of the genre and the industry. Um, and uh, I know, at least with us at the K-pop cast, we've been our our litmus test has to be that it it's produced by uh, like it's something is quote unquote K-pop if it is from a Korean company. Um, producing the idol model, so that so we we it has to be from a Korean uh, owned company or label uh, following the idol system is is kind of how we're we're drawing the line there. Um, anyway, I'll I'll stop. I don't know if any of the panelists had further thoughts uh, on this subtopic. Well, going off of that, Peter, I also wanted to mention that that the fan interaction that's a big thing in K-pop. I do not see like uh other artists have as much interaction as you would see in k-pop the fan call the fan signs the uh like whatever you want to call it when they do like their fan meets and like all these type of meet and greets like they i know that when k-pop idols sometimes go to japan they do like these like little raffles that just come with your ticket like you don't see that in the western side if you want to meet your your artist you're gonna have to pay an arm and a leg to see that now obviously when the k-pop idols come to the states and they do like their little high touch and things yeah you are kind of still paying an arm and a leg but i don't see that um accessibility in what would be considered like a quote-unquote western artist now will that does that backfire on idols heck yeah because you have like the saucing thing and whatnot but but that's out of their control you know but that interaction with fans via either social media or just like in person with the albums and things like that i think that that is very uh, also a very unique point of k-pop itself I completely agree with Carolina. It's fan service, right? They have a reciprocal relationship. Not that Western fandoms aren't as passionate. I think they are. But the interaction with the artists and the fans is different. Um, K-pop groups need the fans. And the fans have a deep emotional connection to them. And I think it is special to K-pop. Um, this is Jazz. So I think it's interesting that a lot of people, um, I guess a big criticism of like idols and idol culture is the manufactured aspect. But I think all pop stars are manufactured, you know, across industries. And I just think that like, depending on the target audience and what fans are interested in, like that def defines what the manufacturing looks like. Like for maybe American fans, they're really interested in people who seem like they, you know, started from the bottom, they're relatable, girl next door. And so you may have this super polished person who has practiced seeming really relatable. Um, you know, we mentioned Rihanna earlier. I think she has a really kind of cool and seemingly personal relationship with her fans but we also like have no idea really anything about her even though it seems like because she interacted a lot on social media you know before she became this mega star 
you know, it feels like we, we knew her. And that was obviously, you know, she had a machine behind her. She was signed to a major label, things like that. So I think it's interesting that people who critique idols for being manufactured, because I won't deny that the system, which, first of all, the idol training system, it, you know, was inspired by the Motown system here in America, right? So, like, we were doing that back in the, you know, 60s and 50s and stuff like that. But I think it's interesting that that's a critique that comes up just because the manufacturing doesn't look the same as, you know, the polishing and the media training that someone like the Jonas Brothers or One Direction would get. So this is Liz, and just kind of picking up on some of the things people have said, I think there's an interesting question, Peter, about whether whether we're describing K-pop for people that don't know anything about it, which is kind of what Emily did in her article, you know, like, what are all these things? What's If I, if I dragged a coworker to a K-pop concert, like, here's all the things you're going to see and why you're seeing them and all that. And like, that's to me more kind of describing it. And then I think there's this issue of defining K-pop, which is what all the fans want to do and what we're all, we all get obsessed about. Like, what are those, what's that box? What fits in that box? What is, what isn't? And I think it's just kind of an interesting like thing that like so easily, like we could start out describing it, but we're going to get into defining it really fast. And I think that's maybe where that question of the industry comes in, because I think there are a lot of people that are maybe not idols, but are very much part of the K-pop industry ecosystem. So I think that's one way that like it gets kind of murky and fuzzy around the edges. Yeah. Um... Let's see. I but by the way, I, I just don't want to lose sight of it. Uh, Twitter user letter number seven. I think this was in response to the previous previous question where I asked about how Koreans define K-pop. Yes, that was a foresight on my not, not even having a, a Korean uh, speaker on the panel uh, for that question. So I, yes, I agree. <laughs> Definitely need a Korean to, to answer that that question. Sorry, everyone. Um, yeah. So I I think at this point. Um, Listeners, audience members, if you want to come up on stage, make a question or comment, uh, feel free to raise your hand and we can start adding you up. Um, Liz, in, in response to your last point, it was actually our next question as things coincided. Um, how would you describe K-pop to someone hearing about it for the very first time? And yes, I guess it, it does indeed get start to get really murky when you start getting into more of the industry aspects of it. But uh, strictly for the sense and application, uh, describing K-pop for someone hearing about it for the first time, uh, what would be your definition or description? Uh, I guess I'll take the bullet. Um, I mean, when people ask me about it, I just tell them straight up. It's Korean music. It's Korean popular music. That's literally what it is. And then I kind of tell them, like, it's Korean popular music, but... It's like any genre, it could be any genre. And that's like pretty much it. <laughs> like I, um, I've tried to do this with like friends when they ask me about it. And um, I just tell them it's whatever you listen to, but it's in a different language. And it is more in debt in the sense of like, um, like concept wise and things like that. And that pretty much they're like, oh, okay, like I understand. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. Um, I actually just say like, hey, if you like NSYNC, if you like Backstreet Boys, Five, Blue, Girls Loud, think something similar to that, but in Korean and just grander in terms of like aesthetics and just overall extraness. That's sort of like my intro, just keep it really nice and simple. And then you can go into like the different groups, the different labels and all the other stuff afterwards. Very basic. It's such a hard question, but I honestly say to people, it's a whole different world. You don't understand this is a whole different thing because it is. And I think bringing up like other boy bands, um, one time when I was talking about BTS early on when I got into them, I told someone, there's not a bad dancer in the group like there is in our boy bands. You can't pick out a bad dancer. It's like seven Chris Browns on stage. I'm telling you. And to this day, sometimes with certain people, that's kind of what comes up first. It's hard to describe it because people think like, oh, it's, it's a boy band. It's a girl group, but they're Korean. 
there's so much else that goes into K-pop, all of this interesting stuff that we've talked about tonight. Um, that's why this is a fun conversation. It's difficult to define it in a few sentences. And also going off of Emily, it's hard to describe it in a couple sentences, but it's also different for everybody. Because for me, it could be as simple as it's just, you know, music in a different language. But for some other people, it's just like, no, like this is like grander than whatever, whatever. And it is a different world. It like is different if you're a casual fan of K-pop versus if you are in K-pop fandom and like there's that space. If you're on, you know, Stan Twitter, it's completely different for me. You know, when I first started getting to K-pop, I only listened to the music. I didn't know about the aspect of fandom. Once I started getting into fandom, then that was a completely different world. So I think that, that that's why this type of conversation is fun because every definition for everybody could be completely different. Yeah. Yeah. And sorry, just to plug again. So audience members, if you want to come up on stage, please uh, request to become a speaker. I think there's a button at the bottom of your screen. Um, you can hit that and then we can add you up on stage to either ask a question or, or make a comment um, on this broad topic of <laughs> defining K-pop. And, and this is Liz and I definitely, if I were like telling somebody new about it, I would say it's like, it's definitely visual. You got to watch it. You got to watch the costumes and the styling and the dancing along with the music is how I would say, because that's how I got into it. But I realized there might be people like, I'm like, oh my gosh, there might be people that just hit the Spotify playlist and listen to it. Like, oh my God, is that a possibly a thing? So that's, that's, I would definitely like talk a lot about the visuals. Yeah. What, one thing that I generally do, um, usually this comes up at work, they're like, oh, that's a nice setup you've got. Do you, do you, what do you, you know, like it's a fancy microphone you have there. I'm like, yeah, I do some podcasting. And they ask like, oh, what's it about? I say, uh, Korean pop music. It's like, that's a really quick, short answer I give. It's, you know, popular Korean music. And then if, you know, I've got more time, I explain like, well, um, it's like boy groups of the 90s, except with today's production value and technologies, like hammed up to 11 with like really sophisticated stories, uh, visuals, dancing, production, I, you know, just top-notch like unmatched production value um and that that's usually my deeper answer and then like when i need to really draw the line with people like well how do you separate this from say you know pop in just any other language or you know award show um distinctions and whatnot then then i start to bring up okay well then maybe we look at what it means to be an idol uh versus just maybe just an artist um uh, the geographic region of the the company because this is a capitalistic enterprise first and foremost. Um, and so that, then I start going to more of those details, but that, that's kind of the approach I've been taking. Yeah, and I think that the grander can definitely be part of it. Um, but I think about like either soloists or also group artists who are from maybe smaller companies who don't have the budget to give us a, you know, Aespa video um, with all the complex world building, but those idols or those groups are still very much like K-pop. So that's why I guess it's so hard to define it because you have these varying levels, varying scales, budgets, um, concepts, you know, it's just so, so broad. And even the idols themselves, you know, I read a lot of interviews and even the idols themselves, like if when they're asked usually by non-Koreans to define what K-pop is, a lot of them falter because, you know, they're like, well, you know, what I do is K-pop, but so is what they do. And we do completely different things and it's all K-pop. So it's definitely, this has been a really fun chat um, and it's been interesting to hear everybody's thoughts for me. Okay, so again, audience members, it looks like you've, you've all been quiet, or at least you don't want to let us hear your lovely voice. I'm sure it sounds beautiful. Don't, don't even worry about it. I know everyone gets self-conscious about how they sound. You sound great to us, I promise. Um, so you can ask to become a speaker. Um, but if, if not, you know, Liz, I, I kind of want to shift it back to that point that you made earlier. I feel like I kind of robbed you from your intellectual point. 
um, on, uh, what is it? Um, describing versus defining and industry versus genre. Um, maybe you want to re-ask that question again and we can explore that, that aspect deeper. Well, I just, I think it's interesting, like this, you know, we just talked a little bit more about how we describe it to other people, but then I do think there is this, I think within fandoms, then it gets into the whole, like, is this, is wavy K-pop, is Epic High K-pop, is BTS K-pop, you know, these like, oh, delineate and like say this is or isn't and, and draw the lines. And that's where I think sometimes the industry stuff becomes more of the defining thing than any of the like genre of dancing or music or how they look becomes important. Like, I'll, I'll give my example. I was thinking about this. I'm like, if this NCT Hall have no Korean members, it's like all Americans, and they promote on Music Bank and Music Core, and they show up at the, you know, at the end of year, Gaio Dejan, to me, I would say they're K-pop. So it's kind of that interesting question of like how you define it. Actually, sorry. <laughs> um, actually, I really am enjoying this conversation. I feel like everyone has a very personal sort of definition of what K-pop is. And I think, you know, Liz, you know, um, explained it really well when she was like, or uh, that, or when they were like, um, when you explain it, it's based on what got you into K-pop, right? Like for me, it was the whole like boy band, 90s aesthetic. That was really like the music that I love. So getting into K-pop was very easy for me from that and so when I explain this to people, that's usually the angle that I go on. If you're into, you know, the stories, the in-depth storylines from, you know, music video to music video, that's how you're going to explain it. If you're into, you know, just aesthetics, some people just like it because it's pretty, which is fine. You know, that's how you're going to describe it to people. And I think also, too, when you're talking about industry versus genre, you know, we, a lot of our own personal feelings, <laughs> And maybe our own personal opinions on K-pop, if it's negative or positive, also influences the groups we consider K-pop, you know, the and then sort of defines it, you know, as well, too. So I don't know. I feel like this is like I'm not really closer to any answers, to be quite honest, I don't think. But it has definitely given me enough questions to get to an answer. Yeah, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, by the way, I'm just chuckling here. <laughs> Taman Shu's tweets, who do you think paved the way in Korea's highly competitive road paving industry? <laughs> Lee Sun-won. <laughs> Motown. J-pop. <laughs> Not touching J-pop, touching. <laughs> definitely. Um, Teddy Riley or somebody. I, 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 I hate when people ask this question because... I feel like every group and every, like there has to be cause and like uh, uh, cause and effect, right? Like you got to look at the history of the K-pop industry and then go from there. You can't just say this person did it all because maybe 10 years ago somebody did it. But at that point, it was not hot. Like, you know, just for an example for right now, Brave Girls. Roland came out. Nobody liked it. Now it came out and their new SCP came out and it sounds exactly like Roland and everybody likes it. So I feel like you can't, you, you, have, you have to look at the history and then go from there. Well, you know, sorry, I'm gonna hijack credit from Alexis who had this original story idea, but according to Twitter scholars, BTS is actually behind the invention of music. So, you know, you can trace everything to, Okay, sorry, I'm already canceled by BTS, so I can get away from saying by that. Um, I, I wanna welcome um, Alex uh, to the stage. Alex, uh, did you have a question or comment that you wanted to offer? Hi, um, hi everyone, thank you for having me up. I would like to comment on this, and I'm very glad it came up, because it was actually Girls' Generation that paved the way. And I'm done speaking, thank you so much. Oh, well, you know, okay, love we it. can just end it there, right I there. Love I love you. Think. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Clapping. Hey, Alex. Yes. Quick, 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 thumbs. Clapping. Um, 
just closed the shot. That was the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, sorry. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll entertain one more question here. We can start to wrap things up. Um, so Tame and Shoes also tweeted, um, who do you think the states might make their own? Oh, I guess we kind of already asked the question. So I made the other question that uh, Tame and Shoes uh, asked earlier, which is, do you guys think K-pop will be popular in five years? And my hot take answer is yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes money. Yeah. So much, so much, so much money. There's no way that it can't go up from here. The bubble will burst eventually. But five years from now, it'll still be at the top. Now, and also going with that, the bubble can burst and will, but there will always be a profit because even if 10 million people stop liking it, 5 million are still going to like it. it does, so I think that there's always going to be a market. It Will it fluctuate in popularity? Yes, like everything does, but I think that there is always going to be a market for it. May I comment on this? I'm like, yeah. And I promise I'm not trolling with this one. I, I promise. <laughs> um, I do feel like K-pop, at least in the United States, from my American perspective, is slowing down. And I feel like what's going to happen is we're still going to see a lot of, um, especially now that you know COVID restrictions are coming down, we're going to still see a presence of K-pop in the United States. But the majority of that will be like artists who have been able to score record deals or distribution deals with american labels like the major labels but as far as like smaller more niche groups i think they will also have a a tougher time kind of breaking in through all of the noise that comes from the bigger groups and things like that i do feel like it's peaked and i personally feel like k-pop is having an identity crisis in terms of what sound and direction it wants to go into um, even comparing the output of K-pop artists now compared to even five, six years ago is very drastically different. And I think right now it's kind of redefining what K-pop is and how it continues to exist in a global space now that it has definitely reached way beyond Asia and it has its sights set on much bigger and um, more global audiences but I do think that there is there is kind of a slowing down for sure. It's just, it's not as, I, I would say it's not even as explosive as it was maybe two, three years ago. Or maybe not even slowing down. Let me correct myself. I think maybe it's like becoming more, more recognized and less of a, less of a like question mark. And yeah. Yeah, really profound, Alex. Um, you know, I, I think if you also look at uh, the producers, the Korean labels are sourcing for a lot of their music. Um, well, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe other panels here might have more insight on this, but the general impression I get is that uh, it's just producers are just becoming more globalized and uh, less regionalized in scope. Um, and then that that's having, a, of course, a reflection on uh, the music itself. Um, also, just how democratized access to the music has become. I mean, certainly uh, YouTube was a great like equalizer, I think, for like kids everywhere to to access music and content. And maybe that that kind of sorry for this term paved the way uh, for K-pop to to enter um, into more globalized audiences. But um, you know, maybe uh, one one other thing I've, I've theorized is that. Uh, Actually, Mando Pop is probably gonna be growing more global popularity just because um, the scale and content output that can be done there um, could uh, quickly eclipse just anyone. If we're all on this equal stage of like you know like a platform like YouTube or I don't know TikTok or whatever, um, it's gonna come down to who can like you know outproduce and production value and, and uh, volume. And I think uh, China could quickly surpass a lot of people. So um, Alexis, I think you, you you had something to say. Go ahead and uh, ask your question or comment. Hi, everyone. Um, I just wanted to piggyback a little bit on what Alex was saying. Hi, everyone. I see your high fives uh, or waves, whatever that is. <laughs> um, 
I think I agree with them. Um, especially, I forgot who brought up Brave Girls, but I think that part of the reason why Brave Girls has had such a resurgence right now and, you know, how, you know, the Korean general public gravitated towards, like, a three-, four-year-old song. Um, I don't... I don't remember exactly when it was released and i don't remember if i talked about this on an episode of k-pop cast or just like privately with with peter but but i feel like that's because there's this longing for that kind of like old summary k-pop um banger you know that we don't really have anymore because before there were a lot of these idols that were trying they were releasing music trying to appeal to like the general public and now K-pop has become very localized in that groups cater directly to their fan bases. So when Alex was saying that, you know, that um, that maybe K-pop's um, growth has peaked and that I think that I, I see his point and I agree with that. I feel like we, we could see that we will only see... Um, new k-pop fans that are fans of like a specific group you know because they like a specific group whereas five seven years ago we would see people who would like you know like a wide range of groups you know you cherry pick you like this song from 2pm and this song from from 21 and that those two songs from big bang blah 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 and you you just you know like create create your own little musical palette whereas now it's just like i like monster x i like got seven i like bts and that's it you know so so yeah i just wanted to add my little two cents <laughs> Ooh, can i go off of that real quick because i think that that has a lot to do with just fandom dynamics because you do get a lot of fans now that are just like well you are not loyal if you like another group so i feel like that has a lot to do with why a lot of people now just listen to one group and they don't want to get into another one because they're afraid of what others in that fandom will say. Can I piggyback off that? Ooh. Okay. Oh, hi, Sarah. You could go. Hi. You don't- no, you okay. go ahead. No, I just wanted to say real quickly that that should be a topic for another week. Um, just the whole parasocial, parasitical, you know, sort of relationship in fandoms and sort of with the fans and the idol because that's yeah that's a whole loaded thing in itself but yeah sorry mm-hmm. no <laughs> i really love this conversation like just squeaking in at the last minute i i just kind of and maybe you guys can pick this up on a later chat like nat said but i'm looking to like certain events that i think if they were to happen will definitely give us like a good sense of where k-pop is going like for example um all of these new american k-pop groups and it seems like they will eventually happen like i think sm entertainment um is going to make nct hollywood (laughs) and um there's i think there's one in south america there's one a big hit is going to do their own and i'm just wondering if the k-pop industry is going to eventually bite off more than they can chew and kind of run K-pop into the ground in a way, at least for the Western audience, if they're just like, if it's too much, you know what I mean, for people. And I also think like what happens with BTS's Butter, if it's actually able to like, if they're able to get nominated for a Grammy or even win a Grammy, I think we will definitely see a shift because that will, that's going to be an event that will shift, like something that's never happened before, a K-pop group, winning a grammy so honest to be honest i and i hope nobody comes after me that but i don't think that better really deserves a grammy nomination i mean it's it's a cute bop but i don't know but um i think all of these things coming down the pipeline are gonna show like where k-pop is headed but i personally feel like it's getting to be too much (laughs) <laughs> like just personally, I don't know anybody else. But. Yeah, like it overextended even. Yeah, yeah. This is this is Liz. I just want to piggyback on what Alex said. I think there's gonna. I feel like there's gonna be this like wave. I think we're like 
if it does stabilize out, we're still kind of riding the crest of the wave because there's still, we still haven't had concerts in the U.S. since March of 2020. And there were in like 2018, there were 166 K-pop concerts in the U.S. and Canada. In 2019, there were 314. And in 2020, before March, there were 207 that had been scheduled. All like the little groups, the big groups were pushed. And I think they're still going to do that when everything opens up. So I think there's still going to be this huge crest of K-pop concerts in like 2022 and 2023 in the U.S. And all of these fans that became fans during quarantine that are pumped for it. And that there's going to be this huge thing. And then what Alex said is like, what's going to happen? And I'm going to look at all the people that like are standing k-pop groups now and be like oh those guys oh they're 17 that's something that the old kids do we're not going to do that and suddenly it'll become like not cool at all with the young kids and then just to pick up i think the biggest like i would add to what sarah said i think the third biggest indicator of how k-pop is going to do in the u.s is going to be when mcdonald's publishes the results of how well they did because if they did well that i mean that's real money that's real money that people are going to count on and that's going to be the thing that every corporation in the U.S. is going to be like, okay, K-pop. So that's my additional thought. Well, it should be in, in uh, McDonald's next um, quarterly earnings statement, right? Or I'm sure it's going to make it be reflected there somehow. I Can I respond to something that Liz said? Oh. Carolina, uh, yeah. is that okay? Uh, yeah, go, go ahead. Okay, I just want to throw something into the ring. I'm not saying that I disagree with Liz or that I think what she said is wrong. I just... Um, when she was talking about the number of K-pop groups, I don't think, I mean, number of K-pop shows in the U.S., I don't think that's exactly the the best indicator because, for example, me going to a lot of shows in L.A., I got to see the progression of, like, there was one show every three months at one point in, like, 2017, right? They were all sold out. But as we went went into 2019, for example, for GOT7, a group that, you know, their their shows would sell out immediately. And especially in L.A., that 2019 show was not sold out in a lot of places because a, a month later, BTS was going to have their own, their own um, tour. And, you know, there was just... There, that that's when the thing that with multis and like so with one group stands come into place because it's um sure I think I think that had the pandemic not happened I think the 2020 when it comes when it came to um, shows would have been a disaster and that that there were probably would be a lot of empty shows or like not sold out shows because everyone and their mamas was coming to the U.S. and announcing their tour, like groups that had just come out of debut because the money's in touring, but you know, these, these ticket prices are not 50 bucks. So I don't think that like fans had to strategize and had to pick like, no, I'm only going to these, or maybe I want to travel and go to like the entire tour and I can only do that for BTS, blah, blah, blah. So, so yeah, I think that, yeah. I just wanted to throw that into consideration. I agree on that too. Cause I think, I mean, I, at least like I'm a multi and I had to pick like, where do I want to go? Cause obviously they don't go to every corner of the U S but going back to that McDonald's thing, they did release the information, I think just for South Korea and just for South Korea, they sold, I think it was like 1.2 million like meals. And that's just Korea. So I think when McDonald's releases for the USA, I think that that's going to be like a big number. Yeah, well, uh, money speaks. <laughs> and if that, if anything, that I think that'll be the biggest indicator of uh, what K-pop's presence will be in the next five years. So well, guys, I got to run. I've got to make dinner. Um, next week, uh, I think we were... I was originally thinking of having a topic of um, uh, most WTF, aka wonderful treasure find, um, or weird 
uh, K-pop songs. Um, so we could talk about that, or you know, I'm, I'm really loving the, this this uh, aspect that Sarah and Nat brought up of uh, parasocial uh, parasite. What was the? I forgot the fr- framing the term you guys use, but um, I think that could be another really good one. So. Um, anyway, let us know what you guys think we should talk about next week. I think we'll return to our usual time, 5.15 um, to uh, 6.15-ish uh, Pacific time, uh, 8.15 Eastern time. Um, if you're the audience, be sure to follow everyone up on stage. Um, and I also learned that uh, K-pop uh, started and ended and was defined by Girls' Generation. Thanks, Alex. So I'll... I'll uh, I'll just use that as, as the definition uh, moving forward. Any final words from everyone? And I'll let speak now and I'll, I'll close the room. And final word, mic drop. This was great. Thank you so much, Peter. Fine as yeah. always. I learned a lot. <laughs> Twitter should pay you for having a decent, cordial space. Oh my God. It, by the way, shout out to all the audience. Like, uh, like the, these are like the best comments and questions. Um, I remember when using the hashtag. So like, uh, thank you to the speakers, but also thank you to the audience, uh, especially uh, on this one. Okay. All right. I'll see you guys all next week. Thanks for, for uh, engaging in this topic. Bye guys. Thank you. Bye-bye everybody.